DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome into a remote version of the CHGO White Sox postgame show. I'm Sean Anderson, your host. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me is the full CHGO White Sox crew. We got Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. That's Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. You can follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. We are coming to you live after a White Sox loser, 6-3 to three in Houston. Uh, they had the lead there for a bit. Fun game, and it was uh, another short one. Uh, not too long, pretty exciting. Uh, another success for the pitch clock, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I thought it was a really fun game, actually. It was a really good game. I mean, obviously, you know, White Sox fans and everybody watching are probably not feeling that because of the result. But uh, it, when when you don't care who wins or loses, like me, uh, you you can enjoy the entertainment value. And uh, certainly that's that's what I got tonight. And, hey, everybody got that. They just, uh, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Guess what, guys? The White Sox won't be going 162-0. and What a shame. Who could have for, who could have foreseen that happening? Ugh. Herb, did yeah, you get 162-0? No, I didn't. But uh, I, as uh, Vinny said, it is an entertaining game. Uh, you know, I have a vested interest because I am a fan about this team. And so I can't be too disappointed with the loss. There are things inside the loss that I didn't just agree with. But I don't think it was an egregious, like, managerial decisions that cost this game. It was just execution from the pitching staff, for the most part, that cost the White Sox this game. Yeah, well, well, let's just jump right into it because that's all the chat's talking about is Jake Diekman, Jake Diekman, Jake Diekman, Pedro Paul's decision to go to Jake Diekman. I got to be honest, guys. I don't really get it. I don't get the Diekman hate. The guy comes in and he gives up a bomb to a guy that hits bombs. Everybody's favorite reliever on the team is Reynaldo Lopez. Jordan Alvarez last night hit one to freaking Nebraska off off, uh, Lopez last night. Guess what? A guy comes in and gives up a bomb to uh, Jordan Alvarez. That's not something new. I'm not seeing any hate being directed toward the guy who issued two two out walks ahead of that big game changing hit by Alvarez. Uh, and let's not as as good as Lance Lynn was for the majority of the night. I don't think you can let him off the hook here either. Another two out rally that produced two runs for the Astros turned this from a three nothing White Sox lead where they looked comfortable. It looked like a comfortable three nothing lead if such a thing exists against a lineup like the Astros. Um, but then all of a sudden it's a one run game because you know Abreu of course comes up and and gets the two out single ahead of the Tucker home run. So um, you got to put innings away. And uh, Lance Lynn didn't do that. And and I'm sure he's talking about that right now down in, down in Houston with the reporters who are down there. And then boy, Kendall Grayman didn't do it. He had three chances uh, and he couldn't do it uh, any of those three times. Certainly um, I'm sure we'll talk about the, the ball that fell in front of Andrew Benintendi, but uh, the two walks, particularly the one to the number nine hitter that turns over that Astros lineup, you know, uh, I, I, re- I recall during the pregame show seeing some comments, uh, you know, oh boy, how top heavy that Astros lineup is. One through five is scary, but the bottom four, not so much. Well, it was a two out walk to the number nine hitter that that got you back to the scary part of that lineup. And boy, did it do the damage that, in, in flipping the game. And I understand people's uh, disapproval with Jake Diekman. He is not a top tier lefty reliever pitcher. And so the White Sox only have two of those in their bullpen. You can't go to Aaron Bummer every time you want to get a lefty out. I have more of a problem with how Kendall Graveman performed tonight. As Vinny said, he gives up the single, then immediately gives a ground ball double play, two outs. 
the nine hitter, Martin Maldonado, who's on the team for his glove, only he does not hit 3-0 to the guy. Then he gets bailed out by the umpire on 3-1. And then Martin Maldonado bails him out on a pitch that's about to hit him. And then he walks Martin Maldonado. Ball 97 right down the middle and let Martin Maldonado do his worst at that point. You don't walk him to get to the top of the order. I know he didn't do that on purpose, but I have more problem with Kendall Graveman's execution than Jake Diekman's execution. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk a little bit about the sequencing of the pitchers brought out. Our guy Clark saying rough night for the pen. Graveman still can't go on back-to-back nights. And Diekman may not be able to go at all. Ruiz is still carrying the World Baseball Classic. Momentum is a good sign. And no Joe Kelly. When they brought out Graveman in the seventh, I was like, another spot where they don't go to him in the heart of the lineup. They're going seven, eight, nine. I find that very interesting in the seventh. Not able to get it done. Obviously, Martin Maldonado, so that's going to lower him in the power rankings right there. But what do you think if the White Sox are able to hold on to that lead 3 nothing? what Grafal's plan is? Is it Graveman to Kelly to Lopez in some order or fashion? I mean, is that what looks like the, the back end of a White Sox leading bullpen? I mean, honestly, I think it's going to be different every night. And and I, I get the idea that, you know, there are certainly some guys who you would rather have out there in tough situations over others. Um, but I, I think that there are enough of those guys that, that Grafol has confidence in, in high, high leverage situations that it really might come down to mixing and matching. Um, it, it, certainly the, we've talked to, to talk to death, basically how the inning isn't going to matter, but uh, now we're talking, we're kind of reframing our thoughts on, on when bullpen pitchers are used based on who's up for the other team. And uh, to see Graveman sent out there again to the, to face the bottom of the lineup after he did last night, maybe that's just Pedro saying, Hey, let's, um, you know, try to replicate the success of a night earlier. I think it was an 11 pitch inning. He gave up one hit, but other than that, I mean, really nothing, uh, no problem for Kendall Graveman last night, obviously not the case tonight. So, uh, you know, maybe he was hoping to buy, you know, two, two nights in a row in, in, in a tight situation out of one of his best relief pitchers for about 20 pitches because Reynaldo Lopez, Probably wasn't available tonight. 27 pitches last night. You can thank Jose Abreu for driving that pitch count up through the roof. But uh, but yeah, probably wasn't going to be available tonight. I, I mean, it, it sounded like he wanted to pitch, but usually when a reliever throws about 30 pitches, uh, they're not getting trotted right out there the next night. So I, I think we're going to really have to go game by game to figure out, especially in the early going here, how this bullpen rotation or, or whatever you want to call it is really going to look. And Herb, just to add on, last year, uh, Kendall Graveman on zero days of rest, 13 games, an ERA of 525. I mean, for a guy who says he's bleasing analytics and bleasing the numbers, Pedro should look into those. And especially like a guy like Jimmy Lambert came in there and got the out that uh, Lance Lynn couldn't get in the sixth. And he only pitched four pitches in that sixth inning. And I was wondering if he was going to carry over into the seventh inning. But you see Graveman there and you're like, okay, maybe he has confidence and Graveman told him something. Hey, I'm feeling good today. Last night was great. I want to go back again. But I would have, you know, went with Joe Kelly. You know, he hasn't pitched at all this year. Um, or just gone with Jimmy Lambert to continue that seventh inning. Um, as you said, with those stats, it tells a story right there. And uh, um, I'm not necessarily blaming Pedro Grafal, but, you know, the handedness for Jake Diekman, I don't – maybe you see it now and you're like, okay, Let's just get a pitcher who can execute pitches instead of bringing in a pitcher who's just a left-handed pitcher. Yeah, well, and like the people bringing up the Jordan Alvarez thing with the the lefty-righty splits, um, let's just kind of clear the air here. Jordan Alvarez, very good at baseball. 
if you are a pitcher throwing a ball over the plate against Jordan Alvarez, there's a very good chance that that man will hit it, whether you're throwing with your left hand, right hand, even if you're throwing two balls with both hands at the same time. Jordan Alvarez is probably going to hit both of those balls. Jordan Alvarez in 2022 had a OPS, or sorry, has a career OPS versus right-handers, 983. Versus lefties, 963. Uh, in 2022, uh, 103 uh, versus righties, 998. So basically a 1,000 OPS versus righties and lefties. He's incredible at baseball. The issue is Jake Diekman, who walked a ton of guys last year, gets down 1-0 to one of the best hitters in all of baseball. That's a bad sign when you have the bases loaded. And that's the issue with Jake Diekman is he needs to get himself in better positions where he's not throwing fastballs center cut and that's the one thing that ends up hurting uh who comes in after uh it was it jose ruiz right um after, yeah, after Deakman. jake Deakman. yeah, well, uh, Deakman, one- yeah Deakman walked the leadoff guy in the following inning so i mean th- <laughs> right. that, that to me is an even more you know yeah. I, that's a bigger problem than the being put in a tough spot where you know the bases are loaded and you got the an mvp candidate to right. play. you know walking the leadoff man in a clean inning that's the thing that's a little bit more egregious and it leads to another run well, and even to Herb's point about Jimmy Lambert, I mean, Jimmy Lambert was one of their best relievers last year, and Pedro Grafal's still getting to learn to know these guys. I mean, maybe he doesn't know the intricacies about Graveman on day, uh, back-to-back days. He's getting to learn that. Uh, maybe, you know, we also see the effects of this probably should have been Aaron Bummer instead of Jake Diekman, but Bummer's still coming off of some injury stuff. He probably can't go on back-to-back days. So we kind of see the intricacies of managing a bullpen here. Um, I, I can't kill him because, again, it's like very early mistakes in the year. Um, Jake Diekman has to do his job there. Kendall Graveman has to do his job there. I don't hate the sequencing because, again, you got to find out about these guys. And, you know, Jake Diekman's getting paid well over $5 million a year. Like he should be able to go out there and throw strikes. And that was his issue even last year. Like you said, I mean, starting off innings with walks like he did in the eighth and even the Lambert thing, like, you know, we saw Jake Diekman get Alvarez and then start the next inning. Like, I mean, I don't understand why Lambert couldn't have done that because you have uh, Hensley, who's a righty uh, Myers is a righty and Maldonado who's a righty coming up after he gets out Yolks in the sixth to start that seventh and then maybe you're able to delay Graveman and maybe then it's just Graveman and Kelly to close you out on the eighth and ninth. Uh, and you don't have to go to Jose Ruiz or, or Jake Diekman. Um, I, I do wonder about the, the pitchers there, but I, you know, you live and you learn Pedro. It's your second game. Yeah. And I think this is going to be a nice learning spot for Pedro Grafal, knowing which pitchers he can trust, which pitchers he can trust on back-to-back days, which pitchers he can bring in to get certain hitters out. So, rookie i don't even know mistake it's just rookie um getting to know the ball club that he's managing right now so you know it's early we have to deal with these growing pains from pedro grafal and from the teams i actually give the players more hell for not executing the pitches than pedro grafal for not doing the right thing quote unquote so yeah it's gonna be like this i think we're gonna have some times where we're like "Hmm, that could have been better pedro but i'm gonna give him a little leeway right now well, I'll just say, too, let's not pretend like the White Sox are like playing with an arm tied behind their back because their manager has has not managed in the big leagues before yesterday. Um, this is something that we talk about all the time. Relief pitchers from year to year. I mean, sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get. And so, Herb, you talk about Pedro, you know, having to take some time to figure out his team, figure out what combinations work. Guess what? Any manager in this position right now would be doing the same because you're learning about the 2023 version 
of Kendall Graveman, the 2023 version of Jake Diekman, the 2023 version of Aaron Bummer. Um, it's not necessarily going to just be the replicated player from the year before. And so you could take a guy like Tony LaRussa, who'd been managing since, you know, before any of us were born, and and, and he could still have that same learn quote unquote learning curve at the outset of a season, trying to figure out what those what those pitchers are going to be like this year. And 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 it and it and it can get even condensed further than that, too. When you talk about, you know, throughout the season, the changes throughout the season with these guys, who hits a hot streak when, who hits a cold spot when, you know. So this is this is part of the job, and I think it's part of every manager's job, not just the guys who are doing it for the first time like Pedro is. Yeah, and two, like, again, like, we kind of saw the fluctuation in Lance Lynn himself. Like, you talk about the pitchers, and, you know, we see when Jose Ruiz comes in, and Ruiz did fine, an inning, one hit allowed, two Ks. But people are like, all right, we're going to see the World Baseball Classic Ruiz or are we going to see, you know, older Ruiz? And it's kind of like it might be in the middle here. Like, you know, that was four and a third innings. It's a very, very small sample size to try to replicate night in and night out. And Graveman, for that matter, too. Graveman pitched in the World Baseball right. Classic as well. And, and here he is on uh, on back-to-back nights having some uh, results that are not necessarily the ones that he put up in that tournament. So, uh Relief pitching, man. It's it, you shake your head sometimes because uh, you can craft the greatest plans. Remember uh, what was it? How many years ago when the Colorado Rockies poured all that money into into a bullpen and it just blew up in their face? Uh, you know, it was you, you were looking at it in the preseason, going, "Oh well, they've you know, you get the game to the sixth inning, they're going to win every game." Yeah, it just didn't work that way, even though those guys had track records. So uh, this is how it works sometimes, and you got to spend these early days in the season having nights like this in order to figure out what's going to happen as you move in to the summer and hopefully for these teams, the fall. Well, and to illustrate the Lance Lynn point, I do just want to show you this. This is his uh, pitch velocity through uh, the pitches as he goes on. So the farther that you get to the right, uh, the deeper he gets into the game. And you can kind of see there uh, on that top red line for four-seam fastball velocity, it was kind of sticking around 93. And then you see a little bit of a dip there around pitches, you know, probably between pitches seven through 15. Uh, But then he ends up closing out around 95. I even think the pitch that he threw to Tucker that gets taken deep uh, for 109 off the bat was at 95. So you kind of just see the the variance in Lance Lynn's start. It was a pretty good start from Lance Lynn, but again, it's it's early season. I mean, this is still game two, so uh, the rust is is still there. Um, it's 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 still you know present. So I, I don't know if Graveman's toast or anything like that. It's it's way too early to tell. Um, but you know, I, I don't know if I love the the sequencing of pitchers there from Pedro. Um, but let's talk a little bit about Lance Lynn. We can flash the uh, pitching line right here, uh, Lynn was in line for a win. Uh, he goes five innings. They had the three-nothing lead. He goes five and two-thirds, and then he does allow the two-run homer to Kyle Tucker. Three hits surrendered, six strikeouts, four walks from Lance Lynn. Christian Javier, he went five innings, three earned runs, eight hits allowed, six walks, one walk surrendered. What did we make of Lance Lynn's first start with the White Sox in 2023? A little erratic, but I thought uh, when he needed it, he got out of jams. He uh, induced a couple ground ball double plays. And like you said, Kyle Tucker from time to time is going to hit a home run. What you got, can't do is have people in front of him get on. So, you know, closing out that game uh, in that sixth inning, I thought he was strong. I thought he was going to make it to the sixth inning and give us another uh, quality stance after he strikes him out with a woo and a FU to somebody else. But for the most part, he was decent, not as good as I expect him to, 
But remember, this is the team that usually tags them really hard. And to only give up two runs in five and two thirds, I got to tip the cap. It was a decent outing. Not his best, but a decent outing going out for his first start of the year. Yeah, they read the stat on the broadcast, what I think it was six straight starts against the Astros in which he'd given up at least four runs. Uh, That wasn't what he did tonight. And so, I mean, I think you can call that a successful start, even though he probably should have polished off a six scoreless inning there um, to say that he only gave up two runs in in decent amount of work uh, against the Astros. White Sox should be expected to score more than two runs. And certainly they did. He left with the lead. you know, he, he put his team in a position to win, as you always like to uh, hear that cliche when it comes to the starting pitchers. Uh, he looked really good in some spots. I, I think the, the the biggest compliment you can give him is that he cleaned up a lot of the jams that he got into. Any tricky spot he was in certainly had that bases loaded situation kind of earlier in the game. But, um, you know, we saw a couple of the spin and swears, uh, you know, when he when he when he struck somebody out with a big strikeout and, and turned around, he even added some arm gestures to it. So he was animated. He was showing some Lance Lynn kind of stuff tonight. Um, uh, neither pitcher, be it him or Javier for the Astros, really did as uh, uh, much work as their counterparts did the night prior, right? Cease and Valdez gave us a pretty fantastic pitching matchup yesterday. Not so tonight. Uh, Javier got chased with the with the two the three straight doubles there on three straight pitches. Um, but yeah, Lance Lance was good. He wasn't dominant like Dylan was yesterday, um, but uh, he, he he did what he needed to do. And uh, certainly the White Sox can say that they should have won that game because of what their starting pitcher did for them. Obviously, though, there are there are more facets than just the starting pitcher in, in a ballgame. Absolutely. Uh, I do want to note, too, it was interesting to hear that Ethan Katz said that Lance's pitch count was around 100. Um, I think he probably just wasn't efficient enough. I don't think we saw exactly maybe the of, of, I, mean, I don't want to say ready to go Lance because we saw him look really great in the world baseball classic you said that he looked like in regular season shape it just seemed like you know it, it, it there was a little bit of just rust that it, there was to shake off I mean over- well, well he got there I basically he got there right it was 95 pitches or I think the 95th one was the was the homer to Tucker so I mean he he got there from a pitch standpoint I guess you'd like to think that if a guy's going to hit triple digits he should get into that seventh inning maybe and I'm sure I'm sure Lance thinks that and, and the starting pitchers think that too but um yeah I mean I, I don't think you can complain about what he did tonight and uh he certainly you know did what you need Lance Lynn to do um I mean hey this Astros the, the Astros showed tonight how really fantastic they are I mean uh, the, the defensive plays those back-to-back defensive plays oh by God. Bregman Bregman and Tucker in the in the seventh inning there mm-hmm. were just jaw droppers they were so good mm-hmm. um and then you get the, the clutch hitting i mean these guys can take advantage of a mistake uh, the starting pitching on both nights i mean hey the white Sox won last night they were in a position to win tonight only six runs over the course of two games so i mean the astros are really good and they're showing it the white Sox hanging with them a bit and and, and tonight it kind of fell apart at the end but um you know if you do want to make that measuring stick thing which we've advised you probably shouldn't do in games one and two of the season but uh this is a hard team to face off against uh really on in in just every facet and and the white Sox are, are showing some stuff well and i think too if the white Sox score three runs for the next two games uh i, I don't think that they're gonna probably go you know three and one like a score only three runs against the Astros seems just like a, a tough way to win that game. Uh, you know, and again, Lance Lynn left with, uh, in position for the win, uh, left with a three, two lead. And then Jimmy Lambert was able to close out that inning. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Talk about some of our ads, but we're also going to hit a super chat here. Maddie rice with the $5 super chat. Thank you very much. 
only took two games for Rick Hahn's questionable payroll allocation to bite the Sox. Uh, I think in reference to Jake Diekman and his $4 million. And uh, I know people are a little bit annoyed with Andrew Benatendi and his defense out in left field. So we'll talk about that after the ad break. We want to let you know about our good friends over at Fubo TV. That's how I watch tonight's White Sox game. They have over 140 live channels of sports, shows, movies, and news. You can stream live TV from any device, and you can watch the most Chicago sports for the lowest price. You can start watching immediately with a seven-day free trial. There's no contract, no cable, no hassle. Just sign up and start watching. There's over 1,000 hours of cloud DVR included at no extra charge, and you can watch local teams while traveling and right now you could take advantage of the espn2 espn news and espn use feature uh, and you can watch the frozen four the ncaa college hockey tournament from april 6th to april 8th and again i watched the white Sox tonight on nbc sports chicago with fubo tv use the link in the description to sign up for 15 percent off your first month of fubo pro again fubo tv.com slash chgo for your first uh for 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. Also want to let you know about DraftKings Sportsbook. Um looked good my money line pick for the White Sox to win uh, again when they were leading 3 nothing, had them at plus 130 did not go my way. White Sox lose. Oh well, I still like the process and you can watch the game and add to your entertainment by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now during opening week they have a no sweat MLB bet. You could bet up to $10, wager up to $10 on a certain prop. And if you win, you get to take home that money. If you lose, you get a bonus bet, bonus bet back up to $10 in your account. So download the app now and sign up with the code CHGO. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details um what do we make of andrew benatendi in left field uh, a couple plays there in the sixth and seventh uh where he was in the area uh, i don't know if he was able to uh, make those plays uh for sure but you even bring up kyle tucker's fantastic defense and right uh was able to save uh, a nice shot off andrew benatendi's bat uh those could have been the difference right there if those plays were made they were hard they were really hard i mean the one you're talking about i think the two they're talking about jeremy paying a single that hit right in front of them that was expected batting average of 600 and the double that was hit by Jordan Alvarez, that's deep in the goal in the in the gap, and he's ranging to his uh, left. That's a tough catch. If he makes that catch, you're like, man, what a fantastic catch by Andrew Benintendi. It wasn't routine. None of these were routine, so I'm not going to give him hell of blame for either of those plays. As we give credit to Kyle Tucker for making the great play, if he would have dropped that, no one would be like, oh, man, Kyle Tucker's out here bumming. He sucks. Andrew Benintendi, I don't think – I, when I was watching those games, I was like, no, I don't think that was a play that Andrew could have made. But if he could have, I think he would have. He gave his all on both those plays. Yeah, I mean, the Pena one even, like, it, 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 you're right. It looked like, or, you know, Jason was right or whoever was saying it. You know, it looked like maybe he could have caught up to it. But I think the point being that, like, it's on Graveman, right? I mean, like, if 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 – if it's Maldonado with two outs and the base is empty, let's say that gets that exact hit. And then the next guy is just out. No one's like, Oh my God, Andrew Benintendi, what a terrible play in the outfield kind of thing. What people are missing is that, you know, it's the walks don't walk guys. Like that's the thing. Your job is to come in and not issue walks. Your job is to come in and get outs and listen, sometimes batter will win. And in, in Jeremy Pena's case, he won. He, he got a, a, he got a little softly hit single off, off Graveman. That happens. That's baseball. But 
Graven's the guy walking the guy before him and walking the guy after him to put Jake Diekman in a, in a, a near impossible position to try to get Jordan Alvarez out with the bases loaded. Um, I, I think on that play for Benintendi, it's like, how, wow, how he's even in the neighborhood. The only thing that could have gone right was a play like the one that was made in the Angels game last night out in Oakland. So, um, yeah, it was. It, it, I, I don't think you can hang the loss on Benintendi not diving for the Jeremy Pena uh, single or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it kind of looked like uh, he he maybe did contribute to you know the Sox not being able to put away that inning, but certainly not the main offender in that category. Yeah, the team leaving nine runners on base and going three for nine when uh, runners were in scoring position, I think is probably the real reason why the White Sox didn't win. Maybe Kendall Graven's position, uh, uh, pitching uh, just to bring up Benintendi though, you know, people talking about maybe he's not used to the Astros and playing out a minute made. I do just want to go back to 2018 ALDS game four, bottom of the ninth bases loaded two outs. Boston leads eight to six. Alex Bregman is up Craig Kimbrell pitching hit out to left field and then Benatendi comes in, makes a crazy diving play and, you know, ends the game and gives them a three, one series lead. So, you know, Benatendi, he, he can make plays in Houston. I, I just might've been wrong place, wrong time, wrong jump, whatever. Uh, we, we saw Tim Anderson, what makes seven errors in the month of April last year. Uh, hopefully he'll be able to clean it up, but I, I, I didn't see anything too wrong with it. Again, I, I have more, uh, complaints with the pitching. Let's go to the batting side. Uh, we did see a different lineup. Uh, Tim Anderson led off. Robert Jr. batted second. Benatendi third. Jimenez fourth. Yohan Moncada fifth. Gavin Sheets played first base and batted sixth. Grandal seventh and caught. Colas batted eighth and played right field. And then Elvis Andrews played second base and batted ninth. Uh, who stuck out from this group? Aloy Jimenez had a nice day. He had two doubles. Moncada had a nice day as well. He had a double and three hits anywhere else you want to go. Tim Anderson with another walk. You said he's on pace for 162 this season. It'd be a career high, believe it or yeah, not. It but uh, <laughs> uh, Yeah, you know, T.A., uh, Aloy, and Moncada look real good. Uh, T.A. and Moncada now look good on back-to-back nights, and Aloy really kind of redeeming himself from, from last night. He had those two bases-loaded opportunities that he didn't come up with, and then tonight cashes in with a pair of RBI doubles. Uh, Luis Robert. Uh, is looking a little lost, uh, Luis Robert Jr., Ooh. rather, I would say. Um, lost, overpowered, whatever you want to say. Uh, he's swinging at everything. He's swinging at a lot of pitches really high up in the strike zone uh, or out of the strike zone, I should say. Um, yeah, not a couple of good-looking nights for him. Obviously, we know the talent, and and I believe last night and tonight coming through with some hits. I mean, it's not like he's going over up there, but um, four strikeouts tonight, uh, He's he's looking – like a lot like he did last year in, in, in the, in the worst moments for him last year. And obviously two games, I don't think we should be freaking out in any sort of way, but um, that's what we were saying during the world baseball classic too. So uh, you know, he's, he's looking like um, he's still quite aggressive and it's not necessarily working for him. Like TA being aggressive works for him, that kind of situation. Aloy and Yuan pretty much stick out for me. Aloy with his two RBI doubles, and then Yohan Moncada three for four, and then him with the glove was all sensational today again. Um, it's good to see him continuing his hot streak that he was at the WBC with. And Aloy, after a struggle last night, dedicated himself today and you know hitting the ball in the gap and letting that ball travel deep. I was wondering if the hitting coaches had a plan today of attacking high fastballs because it looked like guys were swinging at high fastballs a lot 
or that's just the White Sox being undisciplined. But we saw Andrew Benintendi start off that inning with a high fastball, which he dumped into left field and hustled double into second base. Next pitch, Aloy Jimenez drives him in with a double. And then the next pitch after that, Yoan Moncada with a double to score him and chase Javier. So it was good execution up until that sixth inning. And then the bullpen came in and shut down the White Sox. And um, it's good to see Timmy walk again. And that walk led to another run scoring. So I, the new Timmy, getting hits, getting on base, he's the new guy. He's 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 the guy that I envision him being as the leadoff guy, patient at the plate. And then doing his right field hitting stuff, as hey, always. We 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 call we called out Benintendi or talked about other people calling him out perhaps for the for the some of the defensive stuff. Boy, he boy he he deserves a a big kudos for for getting to second base on that basically what was a fly ball down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, we we talked last night right about the fine line between taking that extra base and and making a base running mistake, which we saw from Moncada uh, in in the win last night. Benintendi did it successfully tonight, and I, I, I think I think you're seeing something. I mean, listen, we heard from Pedro Grafol talking about Benintendi when he first got here, how he does that kind of stuff, and he could be a tone setter for this team in terms of a guy who takes the extra base and does the little the little things right, does the does the hustle stuff and the fundamental stuff. Um, that getting the second base on that play was that thing, and and if he doesn't do that, he doesn't score perhaps on that alloy uh, on that alloy hit. So um, that's, that's the little thing that, that Benintendi might be bringing and that really might be kind of, you know, if you want to call it Pedro ball, go right ahead and call it that. But uh, cause Grafal ball is just hard to Grafal ball is hard to say. So I'm going to go with it doesn't Pedro roll ball. off the tongue. No, it doesn't. So, but, but uh, yeah, but the, again, if, if we're keeping a mental tally of those kind of things, I think you can point to Moncada last night, doing it unsuccessfully, but you can point to Benintendi tonight doing it successfully. And listen, that was a bang, bang play too. He needed a, he needed a nice slide to get in there uh, safely at second base. You can call it fall ball, F O L ball, but it's, but it's full, a full ball, whatever. Full ball. Just, it's can, too it's much. tricky. It's tricky. I'll let you guys work it out. Um, <laughs> just talking uh, too about the base running uh, and the aggressiveness. Uh, that was great to see from Ben attendee stealing that extra bag. Uh, but then also what we saw uh, some stolen bases, uh, Tim Anderson stole a bag. Elvis Andres stole a bag. Uh, we didn't see any attempts in the first game uh, for the white Sox, but in game two, we see Tim being aggressive. We see Elvis being aggressive. Uh, we also see Elvis almost getting picked off, uh, but a nice, uh, dive back to the back of the bag uh, to get in there. So uh, we did see a little bit of the uh, the the base running game uh, getting introduced here with uh, the disengagements uh, and uh, and then a balk from Ruiz as well. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that was based on the new rules. That might have just been a balk. Uh, you know, it, it certainly that's what what the Steve and Jason were kind of ham- hashing it out to be. But uh, if you're going to talk about the the base running and the aggressive base running with the new rules, you got to talk about the flip side of it, too, because the Astros were running as well and they had some success. Uh, uh, Pena was thrown out at second base. Uh, I, I believe it was Pena that was thrown yeah. out at second base. Um, so that was uh, an impressive thing that came on the replay review. But then late in the game, you got uh, uh, the steal a third. Uh, Yaz uh, unable to throw a guy out at second as well uh, in those later innings. So uh, um, you got to you got to look at it both ways because uh, the Sox could use it to their advantage, but certainly other teams could do the same. And and we're talking about hitting and hitters. I just want to focus on Luis Robert Jr. Wow, just lost the plate. He must be in between because he was swinging at balls that weren't close to the plate, 
and just flailing at balls. Like I think the first at bat, it was just three straight pitches that he just swung at. Mm-hmm. The second at bat, it was three straight pitches that he swung at. He fouled off the third one. I think the fourth one eventually got out. But like he's just lost right now. And that happens from time to time. It's happening to him at the beginning of the season. And he's guessing fastball when it's a slider. He's guessing slider when it's a fastball, taking pitches down the middle. Like that's the probably the worst for a base, major league baseball player when you're in between, not just you can see the ball clearly and you're crushing the ball. Because everybody else in the lineup, it seemed like they were having decent at bats, but Luis did not give a quality at bat tonight, except for the single that he hit. Oh, he led the game in uh, swings and misses for every single player. Uh, His eight led all players who uh, took an at-bat. Jake Myers was the only person that came close, and he had six swings and misses. Not good company there uh, to be uh, the second hitter for the White Sox, uh, comparing uh, and even outpacing Jake Myers, who I think was batting eight for the Astros today. But uh, he saw 20 pitches Luis Robert Jr. did today, 14 swings, five foul balls, eight swing and misses for Luis Robert Jr. Uh, and you talked to just about that first at bat. And, and the, I, don't, I think it just is a pretty good tone setter for him, just especially against this, a starting pitcher, because if a starting pitcher can do that, get you, you know, Oh one, and then just start throwing breaking balls that are low and outside of the zone. And you're not even going to, you know, make competitive swings on it. You're going to just swing at pitches in the dirt. Uh, you're really just, you're just hurting yourself. So um, it, it's a tone setter there. And he does end up getting a, a, a single, uh, later in the game, but it's 91 and over the middle of the plate. Like that's what Luis Robert should be doing. However, the biggest thing again that I've said uh, about Luis Robert Jr. We said on all CHGO about uh, our predictions for the 2023 season and who the most important player was. It's Luis Robert Jr. And it's not really what he does uh, necessarily on the field, but it's about being healthy and playing over a hundred games. So if Luis Robert can play a hundred games and we can see him hopefully finding some consistency, that'd be good because once he's hot, he gets hotter than no other player, right? We saw this from August 12th to the end of the year in 2021. We even saw this from mid, you know, June-ish uh, before he ended up getting hurt uh, in August last year where he just was setting the world on fire. So I, I think Luis is very much a rhythm player and mm-hmm. clearly he's just, he's out of his rhythm and, and Javier early just was able to take him out of his rhythm just by, you know, those two biggest swing and misses on the sliders to in the first at bat. Yeah, and this is a test now for this coaching staff, right? Because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure they did have plenty of work with Luis uh, during spring training, obviously a little less than some of the guys who didn't uh, go deep in the World Baseball Classic. But um, if, they, if this continues to be a problem, and remember, it's only two games, it could be remedied tomorrow with a four-hit day by from Luis. But um, it's a test for the coaching staff to, to kind of, you know, get in there and, and, and figure out what's going on, figure out what's wrong. Um, you know, we saw it all last year, not get fixed. Uh, and, and, and that's not really, I'm not trying to say that that's on last year's coaching staff. That might be the player, not listing the player, believing that, it, that, that he knows what's best for himself. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard, uh, as, as, as the manager told us a year ago, um, it's hard to get these guys to listen the hitters sometimes, but, uh, this, this could be a test in, uh, for 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 Jose Castro and 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 for Chris Johnson, they they might have a guy right here at the early outset that they not only you know need to get fixed because it's their job, but need to get fixed because of what you just said, Sean. Because this guy is so important to this lineup. 
We are going to take a quick break here. We're going to let you know about DraftKings Sportsbook and our pick of the week. We're going to come back with some Oscar Colas talk as well, talking about how important he is to the lineup. Uh, people are wondering how he did in his major league debut, his first start. I guess, is it debut or start? Just first start. All right, there you go. Because uh, he had his debut and first hit in the first uh, game. Uh, we do want to let you know, though, about the DraftKings pick of the week. It's the White Sox money line tomorrow. Lucas Giolito versus Jose Irikiti. I've liked the effort so far. Irikiti allowed some hits to the Sox before. He's more hittable. I, I don't know if he's going to have that deceiving fastball like Javier does. Uh, I don't know if he'll have that that mix that Valdez does. I think he's a little bit more of a hittable pitcher. I like Irikiti going up uh, against the White Sox. I like the White Sox on the money line at plus 105. That's your DraftKings pick of the week. Download the app now and sign up with code CHGO. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the MBA with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Lucas Giolito, too. Healthy, he should look a little bit more like regular, normal Lucas Giolito. And I think that should put the Sox in a good spot for a win. Also, want to know about Game Time. Game Time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, the 50 yard line, court side, behind home plate, floor seats at a concert, it is possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you never thought you could buy. You won't find a better deal this season on White Sox tickets. And we got op- the home opener coming up on April 3rd. Game Time was created by the fans for the fans, and that's why they guarantee the lowest price. So if you're looking for the lowest price for White Sox tickets this year, go to Game Time. If you love CHGO, then you'll love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets. The link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app. Score the best seats to all your favorite events and rotowire you already know it is baseball season baseball is back so get your latest fantasy baseball news from rotowire a pioneer of fantasy sports for over 25 years they also have access to fantasy dfs and sports betting articles we gave out over 82 and a half wins for the white Sox on a future bet from rotowire's uh, best bets article and Hey, one and one. Uh, they're already on track for an eighty-one and eighty-one season. So you know, just don't, just don't need to, say that these people will uh, riot. Just need a couple wins to go your way, and then you'll be winning one money. Uh, thanks to RotoWire, but they also offer clean sheets, custom player rankings to fit all fantasy leagues, and they also have the Ask the Expert function. So if you're looking to make sure you're picking up the right person uh, on the waiver wire, you can go and reach out to RotoWire's experts. So for a limited time, RotoWire is offering a free two-day trial to our listeners. Just go to rotowire.com slash CHGO to register, and there are no commitments. They're so confident that you'll like their product and want to invest in a subscription plan that they don't even ask you for a credit card up front. So take a peek behind the paywall, and when the trial is done, you can decide if a RotoWire package is right for you. Oscar Colas made his first start in right field. Uh, he did get hit by a pitch. 0 for 3 with 1K, uh, and I don't think there was too many balls hit out to them. Uh, what, what were your first impressions of Oscar Colas or in a full game? Um, they definitely had a plan. I mean, this first at bat versus Christian Javier, he's just peppering with high fastballs, and I think eventually he hit into a ground ball double play. Um, and then the, the thing I was most impressed with, even though it's not a skill, he just like ate a pitch on his elbow pad and it looked painful. And you just, I didn't even know he got hit because he didn't even like react to it. But he just like, man, this shit hurt and just ate well, it and he, went to first base. He did, he did react to it. It hit him. And then he kind of like took a second, took a deep breath, and then screamed, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you this good thing he was wearing that elbow guard. Or right. we'd oh be God. talking about a guy going on, going on the IL because uh, that hit him 
right where you don't want to get hit. But boy, that elbow guard, that Barry Bonds armor that he had on uh, was, was helping <laughs> things out. And it's tough to go against Christian Javier as your first real guy right. you're going against, a starting pitcher of his caliber. So I'm not going to grade him too tough on it because the guy is a top-notch pitcher who strikes out a lot of batters. But for him not to strike out in those two at-bats versus Javier shows me a little bit. He put bat on ball, not that hard. You know, he grounded to that double play, and then he had a pop-up, I believe, later in the game versus Javier. So, you know, first start, he'll be better. Yeah, max exit velocity of 84, and the other one was uh, 81. So uh, uh, nothing too eye-popping on the the EV as you were talking about there, Herb. Um, and, and two, I think his last at-bat was pretty brutal. I think he went down uh, three three pitches uh, against mm-hmm. Abreu. So, it was like uh, slider, slider, slider. He, yeah. Abreu made him and Gavin Sheets, man, made sweet love to him. To borrow a line from my man, Chris Tannehill. Well, and hey, let's bring up Gavin Sheets. Uh, White Sox fans, I guess, will be happy that Pedro Griffal said that Andrew Vaughn, this was the scheduled day off and that he will finish out the season or finish out the series uh, playing the next two games in Houston. Uh, You know, Gavin Sheets gets three at-bats, doesn't get to do much in it, and, you know, people already want to run him out of town. It's game two, folks. Give, Give him a little bit of a break, all right? Well, yeah, I mean, that's I think that's a good thing to remember about Colas, too, is that, it's the first time he started in a major league game. Um, I mean, I've been saying for weeks, this guy's going to struggle, but, mm-hmm. but I don't, but I'm not sure that see, tonight, you know, it's one game. You can't even say that he's in the middle of any struggles, but he is going to have a period of time, whether it's right now at the outset of his big league career, or if it's a couple months down the road, once pitchers adjust back to him, he's going to have a period of time where he is struggling big time. We saw it from Aloy Jimenez uh, to a little bit of lesser degree, uh, you know, during his rookie year, we saw it from Luis Robert big time during his rookie year when the, uh, you know, it was that 60 game season and the, and the back half of it, he was, he did nothing practically um, after, after getting off to such a hot start. So um, there's a lot of uh, Oscar Colas left to be seen. He won the, he won that roster spot for a reason. Um, but uh, you should not expect him to come out and set the world on fire. If he does, be pleasantly surprised because when guys come up and start facing Major League Pitching for the first time, it is a reality check in a big way. Uh, so that is coming, whether it's whether it's today and, and, and the next few weeks or, or a little bit later. And I did bring up the stat yesterday that 11 of the 18 18- Balls that were hit 100 miles per hour or harder were from the White Sox today. Uh, we didn't see that much uh, exit velocity today. Uh, nine balls hit 100 or higher, harder. Uh, Tim, Yoan, Aloy, and Aloy having the four of the uh, nine for the White Sox that went over 101. And obviously the big one is, is Kyle Tucker. And I do want to bring up the Andrew Benatendi one uh, where he hits a rope out to right field. Kyle Tucker oh. makes a galloping uh leaping catch there uh right up against the wall still felt like he had a little bit more uh he needed to get that ball over the fence uh 92.9 exit velocity for andrew benatendi michael conforto probably hits at 94 and it's out i'm just saying you're gonna stay on that one that's that's gonna be your bugaboo the whole year it's gonna hey, be like Carlos it's, being bitter, it's being bitter for like what 10 more two more hours until my verification gets taken away he spent all of last year watching Giants games so he could bring up Carlos Rodon stats every fifth day. So now he's going to spend all of this year watching Giants games so he can bring up Conforto stats every day. My national league team. Uh, no, but it just in jest, like it just seemed like he he literally needed like one little notch on that, and that that ball would have gone out. Uh, just just that's baseball for a game of inches. 
Well, yeah. yeah, and I mean, and it's Kyle Tucker making an amazing play. I mean, you know, you're 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 talking about oh, what if the home run? Well, what if Kyle Tucker doesn't make an awesome defensive play? It's still extra bases. It's you know, it's it's a ball off the wall. It's a run. I believe there was a guy on base, if I'm not mistaken, too. So, um, you know, that that's that's a, a whole different situation. Even if it's the exact same hit, just if Tucker doesn't make a great defensive play, which he did. I mean, the expected batting average on that one was a. Uh... 150 so it was hit in the air enough for somebody to get over there it just looks spectacular because of the man selling out putting it on the wall and crashing into the wall and then throwing the ball back to first it's a fantastic play but that ball hung up in the air a little too much for it to be a double or for it to be a home run but as sean says if he eats a little piece of bacon today or yesterday maybe he goes over or if he's michael conforto but i have no problem with andrew Benson. i thought he played well, I don't know why people are complaining. It maybe it's just complaining just to complain, but I, I I don't have any complaints about him losing this game or playing less than a hundred percent or anything like that. I thought he played all right. Yeah, no, it's it's a team effort again. I mean, it's it's Kendall Graveman, it's it's the pitching, it's the bullpen, it's it's going, you know three for nine it's Robert like we've brought it up I mean it's it's a team effort uh sheets and Colos really doing nothing uh outside and the of Astros Colos being the Astros the too right you know I mean like they they have dominant World Series level pitching uh you know and you know they really didn't worry about Montero coming out in a back-to-back uh Abreu coming out in a back-to-back they used them late in the game and they were able to close it down um Herb I did real quick Vinny I did uh Herb brought up earlier uh the White Sox plan on on what pitches to swing against. Um, you can kind of see these are just the pitches that they actually swung against, whether they be fouled off, uh, whether they be swing and misses, whether they be put in play, like uh, Andrew Benutendi's uh, 92.9 uh, line out to Kyle Tucker or any of Aloy Jimenez's doubles. Um, one of Benutendi's was one of the red ones that are completely above the zone. He went out mm-hmm. uh, and, and nearest head to hit that one. Uh, but you could see a pretty decent cluster of uh, four-seam fastballs uh, just above the chest uh, near that upper area. So uh, the eye test was was pretty accurate there yeah i and maybe that is maybe that's the scouting report on where you can attack javier and they were doing a good job at it i mean to get three runs off the guy is pretty spectacular not letting him get into the sixth or finish the sixth so i thought the game plan was good i mean a couple people didn't execute it well we already talked about those people but it had to be because i saw multiple times these guys just tommy hawking balls versus christian javier well, and it's weird too. I mean, they talked about the invisible and you talked about uh, Bryce Harper talking about how, you know, it says 94, but it's actually 97 or 98. Javier's weird too, because his extensions like lower 20th percentile mm-hmm. in MLB. So you, you look at Aroldis Chapman and when he originally came up, like the big talk about his fastball was yes, he throws it extremely fast, but his leverage, his extensions able to really generate a lot of that power. Uh, Javier, it's all like backspin and it's all the way he's holding the ball. It's all the way about how he's releasing it. Um, just, just fascinating uh, how, you know, people are brought up how people how people can learn how to throw these things i mean mariana rivera that little panamanian uh just held the baseball a little bit weird uh and threw that cutter and you know it was just a dominant pitch so uh it's just kind of crazy seeing all those variants of of uh of baseball and, and and that beauty uh anyways let's wrap this up uh white Sox loose six to three we'll be with you tomorrow 110 start for the astros and white Sox in minute made Lucas Giolito versus Jose Irakiti. We will not have a pregame for you, but we will have a postgame for you. Same thing on Sunday as well. Uh, so Lucas Giolito versus Jose, Jose Irakiti tomorrow. Uh, any final thoughts? Anything you're looking forward to tomorrow? Or should we just save that all for the postgame? 
Hey. I'm just looking for Lucas Giolito to go out and be the Lucas Giolito he was after he was the worst pitcher in baseball. I want to be that guy again. I'm looking forward that's, to the Oakland Lucas Giolito in the playoffs. That's you know, Patrick treat, Corbin anyways. And, and treat it as such. Like this game is very vital for the White Sox to come home with at least a split because I don't know what we're going to get with Michael Clevenger on Sunday. So Lucas might feel a little pressure, and I think he thrives on those things. Yeah, I think it's tough calling the third game of 162 game season vital, but uh, but uh, I guess what I'm looking forward to tomorrow more baseball, right? I mean, we're getting back in the groove, which I like here. You know, it 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 would have been tough to uh, be following this the North Side team who they play the game yesterday. Everybody's very happy uh, with with what, how things went on the North Side, and then it's like, oh, another day off. It's back to back to the off season, is it? Perhaps, but no. Uh, uh, the Sox uh, were were. were uh, you know, lucky enough to grace us with just straight through the weekend. So uh, uh, let's keep it. Let's keep it rolling. Absolutely. Um, and I do uh, just want to let everyone know, or just want to make sure, uh, stay safe. I know there's a lot of severe weather going on, so we want to wish all of our uh, viewers uh, uh, some safe, uh, what safe wishes uh, during this uh, this extreme weather. Uh, make sure that you're uh, staying home and uh, not putting yourself at risk. Uh, Jose Abreu too in this game. Uh, exit velocities of 106.3 and 105.2. So uh, Jose Abreu seems to be settling in, in. So we'll see if he puts any damage on the White Sox uh, tomorrow. Make sure you follow Vinny Duber on Twitter. That's at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. As Dave Barista says, it's large game Lucas Giolito tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Go Sox.